Coaches, how are you? This is Coach Kevin Furtado with the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode 112. Today we have Coach Keith Coleman. Keith Coleman is one of North America's great speakers and sought-after minds on the many facets of sports, motivational, and leadership. He's been described as a gentleman of the 21st century, a renaissance man, a scientist of sports motivational behavior, a previous college professor for University of Houston, AIB College of Business, and Lee College, and is also a retired Marine Corps officer. Keith is considered one of the top training coaches in the country by Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors Company, Coach Up. Keith coached a women's AAU basketball team to a national championship in 2005 and 2010. His team was voted the top shooting team at the University of North Carolina camp. He is one of the few persons to have been the head coach for both men's and women's college basketball teams. He was recognized by basketballcoach.com as a top collegiate coach in 2012. The following year, Keith was invited by Nike to produce a basketball training video through championship productions called the the Wave System. Keith is a free throwologist and is known as the free throw doctor. He has been recognized by the Lead America Youth Organization and National University for his work in inspiring life changes in our next generation of leaders. Most recently, he was awarded the National Institute for Staff and Organizational Development Medal for outstanding commitment and contribution to the high school and college students in the state of Texas. He was presented his medal at the International Conference on Teaching and Leadership Excellence in 2017. Keith is a graduate of Norfolk State University and completed postgraduate work at Army Logistics University. He attended Western Michigan University, Thomas M. Cooley Law School, and has a master's degree in education from Concordia University. Keith has been certified in Collegiate Athletic Resource Management by Oklahoma City University. Keith is certified in online education and holds three certificates in technology development from California State University, Chico, California. He is the author of four books, Winning is Temporary, Learning is Forever, The Impact of Sports on Youth Development, Motivate to Levitate, 30-Day Guide to Motivation, one-on-one, how to train your child in basketball and why you can't shoot free throws. The myth, the mental, and the make. His coaching philosophy is rooted in a phrase he coined, winning is temporary, learning is forever. He believes that if you teach the game correctly, winning will follow. Coaches, what a treat to be talking to uh, Coach Keith Coleman. He's going to really kind of uh, investigate and kind of give you you really have to have an open mind when um, you listen to coach and he's going to really provide some insight into many different facets of the game. Um, His video of the wave system I I have, I just recently finished. It is unbelievable. He has given me so much insight into how to put together an offense and defensive system. Um, It's really a bargain on championship productions. You really got to look at it, but I am so excited to uh, be talking to Keith today. Coach Coleman, welcome to the podcast.
Coach Coleman. Yes, Coach. How are you? Good. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. I know you got a million projects going on. Thanks you for joining our podcast. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, hey. First of all, Coach, uh, um, I found out about you through. Uh, I, was, I was going through some, checking out some videos. I love your uh, your Wava system, or you might call it the Wava system, but um, I love your teaching methods and so forth. I've stole so many things from you already. I appreciate what you're doing for the game, but hey, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're doing now and kind of how you got into coaching a little bit. Well, <clears throat> interesting enough, uh, I'll just start with the latter first. How I got into coaching actually started uh, right after I got through finishing playing high school basketball. Um, and then I ended up joining the Marine Corps and just absolutely fell in love with it and stayed for 22 years. But during the course of being in the Marine Corps, I got an opportunity. I started out enlisted and worked my way up to the rank of staff sergeant and then uh, was put into a commissioning program in which uh, I retired as a major. But during the course of that, I got an opportunity to train and coach some um, uh, military service teams uh, as well as base teams and kind of kept my head in the game that way. Um, so that's how I originally kind of got into uh, into coaching. Um, and then um, when I was about ready to retire, I put a resume in at a place called um, Kingwood College and asked them for about if they needed some help as an assistant coach. And after they had seen my resume, they called me back and said, that we'd like to interview for the head coaching position. And so that's what started to um, get me into a bigger, broader uh, coaching arena. Uh, and so after I had finished doing that, while I was, uh, well, not finished doing that, but while I was doing that, I got involved with AAU with my middle daughter and her uh, wanting to play some summer basketball. And in doing that, um, I ended up taking her team the second year of coaching them to Maui, Hawaii, and won a national championship over there. And so that catapulted, you know, one thing seems to happen mm -hmm. after another, Kevin. So uh, <laughs> after that, uh, when we got back, uh, parents from the area were saying, hey, can you train my child? Can you work with my child? Can you work with my child? And uh, I talked to my wife and we said, well, if you're going to do it, we're going to have to do it right. So we ended up opening a basketball training facility, basketball, volleyball uh, training facility. And in doing that, uh, it gave me an opportunity to do research on the proper way to work with uh, trainees. And so when I finished that after seven years of working that, um, I got an opportunity to get involved with a private school and became their girls coach. And they're also their athletic director. And then as luck would have it, a friend of mine that was over in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, asked me if I would be interested in coming to Des Moines and coaching their women's team um, at AIB College of Business. And so, and again, talking to my wife, she said, mm, okay, we can, we can do that. And so we ended up packing everything and off we go to Des Moines, Iowa. So we stayed in Des Moines, Iowa for a year. And while I was there, that's when I got an opportunity to meet some people that really helped to launch my career and other things and, and then just coaching. And one of those is uh, the opportunity to 
um, work with the people at Championship Productions for the videotape that you're talking about, which is the, we call it the wave system, lava system. Um, and basically that is based off the, uh, so you'll kind of know why I uh, do a play on words, is in basketball, it's a team effort. And so it shouldn't take, you know, a coach to pick you up, get you ready, get you going. You know, we're a team. And so when you talk about the wave, it is the uh, an A, that's the other A that's in the word, is just as strong and just as important, you know, as a coach. You know, if you have W-A-V-E, the E is a little bit different. That's the coach or someone else that has to help make that first A long and loud. It is not that with us in the wave system. It's the, an, another A, which is another ball player, another teammate, that is just as as a coach, and it's his responsibility as well as your responsibility to pick each other up. So that's how it, we kind of play the little uh, word um, change with the word and change it to the wave system by the wobble system. So, um, and like I say, in doing that, that would have would been a, a spearhead that got me involved in several things. Um, but it wasn't until I moved back to Texas uh, that I started to get involved with uh, Coach Up, which is a um, uh, that I thought you're aware of um, that um, helps to train, you know, students and, and players. And then doing that, that allowed me an opportunity to write another book um, when I started talking about, you know, motivation. You know, how do you motivate, you know, individuals? How do you motivate players? And so I was college professor at that time um, and trying to figure out a way to motivate my students because some students are, you know, very self-motivated and others aren't. And so my job as an educator is to motivate and educate the masses. And so that's why I wrote that 30-day uh, motivational guide, which I uh, gave to my students as a way for them when they start to get down. There's a lot of things going on in the youth today that they deal with that either I didn't deal with it as a youth or it just wasn't <laughs> prevalent uh, as it is today. And so <clears throat> that book uh, was written for that. Um, and then as... Um, I started to get involved. I've always, I would guess probably since uh, about 92, 1992, I'm dating myself here. I started to just wonder, why is it so tough to shoot a free throw? And so because of the, uh, the, the problems with that, you know, working with that, um, starting to investigate that, um, it just took me into a whole different realm. And that's what started um, to take all those pieces of paper that I had done before uh, and put that into a book as well. And that is what has um, given me the nickname, the, the free throw doctor. And so that has just been uh, an unbelievable pathway for myself with regard to uh, free throw training. And then I also uh, got involved in, as you already know, that my motto is winning is temporary, learning is forever. And then because of that, what that process is, I tell my players uh, and my students, but I tell my players, um, when you are playing a game and the clock turns zero, and you look at the scoreboard, and let's just say that the team that you are competing against has 50, 
and your team or yourself, you have 48. Most people would look at that and say that you won and I lost. My philosophy is you won and I also won. And I tell my players that they can win too. And they say, well, coach, how, how, how can you say that? If, if I've got, if they got 50 and we got 48, we lost. And I said, no, what you were, were unsuccessful. What you have to do is you have to go back and analyze why you weren't successful. Why didn't you have 51 or 52? And so you take that um, knowledge and you win because you go back and you look at, well, he was faster and he shot a jump shot better than I did. They played better defense than I did. I missed things at the free throw line, whatever the case may be. And that knowledge is what you win. And if you go in with that philosophy that I'm always going to win, not to say we're trying to go out and lose basketball games, but then I'm always going to win. Then you analyze instead of sitting there with your head down crying. You go, okay, let me get a piece of paper. Let me see what he. How many times did he beat me on the uh, dribble drive? How many times did he out rebound me? How many times did those things happen? And you go and you approve that. And the next time you go up against them, you're going to be better. And that philosophy is a lot to do with my service background. Um, because, you know, as, you know, people have you know, said before, Marine Corps, we're always training. Service members are always training. We're always getting better. And we analyze what transpired in that last firefight, what transpired in that last exercise that we, we um, or operation that we did. And how can we be better the next time? Because, as you know, there's no second place in, you know, in combat. Right. And that's what we train for. So that's, that's um, the, the winning is temporary and learning is forever. And the other thing in, in that process was I stumbled upon that there's a direct correlation between how youth coaches treat uh, young ladies and young men um, at the early stage with a direct correlation to teenage suicide. <clears throat> so what, in that book, uh, Winning is Temporary, Learning is Forever, I go through a process and show you how it is and why it is uh, based off research that has been done. So I know I'm talking a mouthful. Like you said, I got a million projects going on and a million things happening. So I don't want to take over your show, but no, <laughs> that's no. kind of- yeah, right I want you to because I, I'm here to learn. And um, uh, I'm one of those. My, I started my podcast. I'm a girls basketball coach and K-5 PE teacher. So um, and I've already taken, I tell you what I love about what you're doing and, and studying you is I love the military focus in your basketball practices. And I, I love the discipline. I consider myself a disciplined coach, but just by us setting up our team in classroom, I set up my PE classes now in classroom. Oh, wonderful. I, I mean, it's like, it sounds like, and I'm telling you, coach, it works. I mean, our kids and tell me why you you I know you're in the military, but man, those things can really help kids in coaching, right? That discipline. It, exactly, it, it just helps them, you know, just in life. And I tell them that everybody, even the best basketball player, mm-hmm. is going to have to leave the game at some point in time. But the one thing that you will always be, you're going to be a citizen. And what we want you to do is be a productive citizen. Um, and as a youth, and when they start to hear that in then as a coach, I tell them, you've got to, you, they're going to believe what they see. They, they are a very visual um, generation. And that's why, the, you know, the YouTube does well. And that's why uh, videos and those types of things do well, because that, that is where they focus. And believe me, as a coach, when you walk and when you talk and when you move, what you say is great, but what you do is more important because they're always looking. Mm-hmm. They're always looking. 
Yeah, that's so true. And I, I love the one word you mentioned is focus. And I, um, the reason why I'm saying that is I have always huddled my team together in kind of a, a, a just, you know, a, a typical basketball huddle. And I never felt like I had all eyes on me. Um, so mm-hmm. we went actually to the circle. And, but I like the classroom setting better on the three-point line. I think the spacing, how you have it set up where you can go wide for teaching, I just think that's a simple idea that I'm going to really promote to other coaches as well. I think that's a great idea. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that came through some painstaking trying to figure out how to get a hold of, uh, <laughs> you know, teams and stuff. As I said, they're all over the place. Sure. And their minds wander because a lot of times they've got other things on their mind as well. And like I say, as a, you know, as a team, they do. I mean, things that we may not find important, they find important. Something just as simple as my locker won't open, you know. <laughs> that stays, that's still on their mind when they're running into practice. But we're trying to work on, you know, a pick and roll. Uh, and so it really kind of gets them, gets them focused. And they, they also, by calling it a classroom, they know a classroom and have always known a classroom to be a area where education takes place. Yeah, and I think that's, again, that, that's the protocol. I think all your great coaches have class management and protocol, correct? I mean, and it's not just the military. Your best coaches know how to teach well with maximum listening skills. You know, I mean, everybody's listening. Right, right. Everybody's on the same page. <laughs> exactly right. And, Coach, tell me, give us some other ideas that, that help us teachers and coaches that can help manage our class. But I know I got a lot from the video, but you do a lot of things that I saw that I really like. Give us kind of some examples of some uh, to run our practices better, some better protocol that we can run a better, more focused practice. Well, one of the things that I found is a technique is what I call the countdown. Uh, the countdown is, is found to be very invaluable. And I, I got that from the military when you go to boot camp. I was involved with uh, Marine Corps boot camp several times, you know, one when I was enlisted, one when I was going through officer training, and then I got an opportunity to go back uh, and be involved in recruit training um, while I was an officer as a series commander. But one of the things about that is, is the countdown, giving them a specific time to move. Um, in five seconds always seems to work well. They should be able to move to wherever you want in five seconds. That way they're, they're focused because if you tell them just go down to the other end or go down to the other baseline, some will hustle down and then some will walk down and others will, um, you know, be lost and, and, and fumble with their fingers and they'll just do all kinds of stuff. But because of that is also it, it generates that um, – um, everybody's buy-in. Everybody wants to buy in in those five seconds. They know, boom, as soon as coach says something, we want you to do something. Boom, as soon as coach says something, we want you to do something. And so having that, that is uh, important. But you have to reinforce it. I know that some coaches say, you know, I tried it, but, you know, at the beginning of the season, but it really, you know, hadn't worked. And I was like, are you still using it? And he was like, well, sometimes, but that can't be. Yeah. It's got to be all the time. And so, you know, it, it goes into – their their DNA, uh, uh, for lack of a, a better term, uh, for this is how we're going to run. This is what coaches' expectations are, you know, for me. The other thing is I'm always talking to them um, and communicating with them, and I encourage them to communicate with each other. 
Um, and so if they are running, I'm just using an example, we're in a three-man weave, and they go all the way down, and then the the person comes down and they, you know, uh, pass it to someone. Yep, you're going to actually, you know, talk to them when you pass the ball. But more importantly, you're going to talk to them even when you don't have the ball. And that to, that for a minute has them wondering what's, what what does that mean? That means that the person that's passing the ball to him says, hey, Joe, and he throws the ball to him. Well, you know, a lot of people do that. But what about, you know, Joe and Jonathan when he comes around behind him? Hey, I got you, man. I'm coming around behind you. What does that do in the drills? It causes them to know that they've got their back. They're used to each other's voices. Things, you know, run a little bit more smoothly. Having that as a, uh, a testament as to how it always works. So they're always communicating with each other. So when you're in a man-to-man and you've got a screen coming or whatever, it's comfortable for them to always, you know, talk to one another, always uh, communicating. One of the other things that I do, and I, this may sound a little crazy, and I'm going to tell coaches, if you decide you want to do it, go at it very, very, very slowly. <laughs> but basically what, what I do is I put them in a 2-3 zone, and then I blind, blindfold them. And then we move the ball around, and we cause them to listen. So it takes another census that they have. And as they hear the ball, as they, the ball catches, somebody puts a dribble down, you'll see, you'll see them at first. One will move and not the other one, and then another one will move and not the other one. And then eventually you'll start to see that they'll constantly start to. So they hear, they're hearing the same thing. So if I can get them to hear the same thing, it's all about teamwork. One of the things, again, going back to the service, you know, if you can watch a unit and, and, and having uh, been enlisted and, and marched men, um, when you start to hear the, the feet, the boots start to hit the ground. And so with that, when those boots start to hit the ground, you're calling cadence, left, right, left, right, left, right. But eventually you can stop with the cadence because they become their own cadence. The boots make their own sound and they start to move according to that sound. That's the exact same thing I want to do on defense. I want them to move to their, their sound, you know, who they are. Okay, Johnson, I got you over here. No, I got a pick right here. I got two, I got two. I want to hear all that. And that becomes their identity as a team. I'm big on defense. I know that, you know, you can't win unless you have, have offense, but I'm big on defense because I would rather win two to nothing than to lose the, 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 the ball game, you know, 64 to, to 10. How did they get 64? Was there not a light switch? Couldn't nobody pull the power on this? Thing? How are we getting beat? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so th- those are some of the techniques that I use when it comes to coaching. Yeah, I love that. I'm actually going to steal. I, I love the blindfold. I think we're always trying to get our teams to communicate. I- I'm sure you deal with coaches all the time. It's like, you know, hey, my team can't. They, they-, they don't talk very good. But like you said earlier, coaches, are we really working on that? Mm-hmm. I mean, is that is that what exactly. you sense out there? It's like we we're, we're we're looking for answers, but we're not really taking a strategy and working on it. We're not staying with it. Is that because that in the military yeah. you guys stay with stuff, right? It's continuous. It's continuous. It's continuous, and so whatever we you know start and it's you know goes as far as just um, consistency. That's what you have to build in your players: consistency. And as a coach, I mean, not as a coach, but coaches I've dealt with and trained and worked with, that's one of the problems that I find is they say, well, coach is not working for me. Yeah, well, okay, it's, it's January and stuff. Let me see your practice. Let me, how do you have your practice set up? And I look at the sheet and mm-hmm. I say, well, if you want them to communicate, that should be at the top. 
you know, it's nowhere on your piece of paper. Well, I told them back in October. Well, that's <laughs> right. And it's February. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you, you've got to make sure if that's an emphasis that you want, you have to put it on your paper every day. And then that way it's a reminder to you as well that you want to make sure that they communicate. That's so true. I think I think we're all guilty of lack of I think we want our teams to be disciplined, but I think it starts with a coach. Right. I mean, you got to be disciplined in your plan and your reinforcement and your consistency. And I think most coaches are guilty of that. That most most of us are. <laughs> I have to put myself in that category because even some of these lessons, I even find myself slipping. You know, hey, I forgot to do that Absolutely. myself. Absolutely, Coach. T- give me a mentor of yours. Maybe it was a, a former person in the military or a coach that has had a big impact on what you're doing right now. Um, I would have to say uh, my biggest. Uh, mentor when I was well, the biggest mentor when I was young was my father. Uh, he was my biggest mentor uh, as I practiced outside in the back, and he would just sit in the lounge chair and watch me. There was an article that was written on me uh, when I was in high school, and it talked about strange practices. Uh, our practices would would get over, and we, I would get home, and it was nine o'clock. But I would, you know, hurry up and go outside, and my father put a floodlight out, and I would actually go and play. Uh, basketball. And one of the things that I would pretend that I was one of the, the teams in the ACC since I'm originally from Virginia. Now, I'm not a University of Virginia fan. I like the University of Virginia, but I'm a, okay. I'm a Tar Heel fan. Dean Smith, so as I got older, Dean Smith became, you know, the person that I, you know, wanted to emulate because I thought the the way that him and Phil Ford had that uh, four corners, corners yeah. you know, that was just ingenious. <laughs> That was just ingenious to me as to how, you know, he invented that and came up with that uh, and, and changed the makeup of, you know, of basketball, as we know, because that's when the shot clock began. Look, somebody needs to put some kind of way, because if not, they're just going to you know play these games, you know, seven to six. But <clears throat> that was OK with me um, to, to watch, you know, games like that, because I'm, I'm a, a, a person that, that dislikes strategy. And that was just what I call strategy. And when you're talking about the the wave system, that is uh, was also um, you know with regard to the strategy. Um, folks in the military, uh, there are so many um, that I uh, would have to to say. Uh, there's a, a gentleman named Colonel Finney, Mike Finney, that was very instrumental. Um, uh, there's a gentleman uh, that's named um, he's passed away. God bless his soul, uh, James Terry. Colonel Terry, when I was in Washington, D.C., um, there was just, you know, quite a few of them that were instrumental um, with regard to myself and, and my, my military uh, background. But as far as basketball was concerned, um, I it, whatever, you know, uh, Dean Smith uh, had going on, um, I was watching, I was listening to it, I was, you know, everything. I got an opportunity, I think if you read in my bio, I got an opportunity to play on his floor uh, when I coached one of the military teams when right. I was in college, the uh, and they were uh, in our OTC, and so he's just always been, um, you know, a uh, a star just because of the way that you know not only where the man was and carried himself and all those kinds of things, but because he was a strategist, and that's what I believe. If you can go in with some strategy, uh, you can you can upset some teams, you can beat some teams. Um, if you come up with, you know, some strategy, there, there, there's, there's small, so many things that are just 
uh, habits that you can take advantage of. And players do it all the time. And I tell coaches and stuff, we say, well, you know, I got a, a game coming up. Can you take a look at the film? Oh, absolutely. And I'll come back and the stuff that I see, he goes, we, we didn't even see any of that. Well, your point guard, the point guard, you know, 82% of their offense is coming from the right side. So you need to move them to the left. Or the shooting uh, guard, the one that, you know, is averaging 19 a game, it, every time he gets ready to, to shoot, he, he pulls his, his, uh, uh, his head to the left. You know, just, just little, little, little tweaks like that. So when you tell your person that's guarding, when he pulls the head to the left, close out, he's not going to dribble past it. He's going to go up for a shot. You know, those kinds of things, getting that in that kind of detail, uh, that's what, what, what will, you know, change uh, a basketball. And for coaches, you know, I know that you're looking, okay, what zone are they running? What are the out-of-bounds plays? Those are the things that everybody, it's when you get deep into the woods, I mean, into <laughs> the weeds, when you start scouting people, that's when you're going to change things because he's going to wonder, why, why, why are they shutting me down tonight? It's not because he's a great defender, it's because he's anticipating what you're going to do because every last player has a habit. And when you can find his habit, then you can actually shut them down. Coaches have a habit, too. You know that it's a certain amount of pressure before they call that timeout. And so you want to add that pressure to the point where he's going to call the timeout. I know it. All I got to do is get within one, or I got to get within two, or, or those kinds of things. So that's, that's one of the things that, you know, go on, too. Um, one of the other things that I want to mention before I forget, uh, when you're talking about when I deal with coaches, when a coach puts in a trap or a press, and let's just say they're down eight, mm -hmm. I'm just using that as an example, and they get within two, they continue to press or continue to trap, and I tell them that's a no-no. And they say, why, coach, is working? Yeah, it's working, but the energy that you're expending on your players is unnecessary. Think about it. If you were within two, would you be pressing? No. Would you be trapping? No. You'd be playing them heads up. So why don't you go back to heads up? Sure. Once you get it's in the range, what is your range? points to points, but to continue this on and then they wonder why they lost is because you completely burnt your players out so that's one of the things that i will say to coaches and stuff think about how close do you want to be and then and then when you get there that's when you you know as the term would be that's when you right. call off the dogs yeah and that's again I, I totally agree with you i think strategy is so important i think it's um i think it's neglected because i i, I do feel like you know, i'm at a school where we don't have tremendous athletes. So we really have to try to coach up. That's why I'm studying guys like you. I'm always looking for better ways to do things. And I really want to talk about your, your Wava system and particularly your offense. I, I tell you what kind of caught my guard mm -hmm. was we run kind of a flex motion coach, but I have a six foot one okay. girl that I want to keep in the post, but I still want to run my flex action. I thought your offense was very similar to, to what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Um, you have to try to keep the, the, the post, uh, the young lady in the post or the young man in the post. Um, um, but it also causes, um, you can, you, you get to, with that offense, you get to set up the, um, what I call the battlefield, the way that you want. One of the things um that I don't know how far you went into the, the video. It's, it's kind of long. But one of the things is I, the beginning of the wave system is how we fight wars. Well, we don't just throw troops in. We don't say, okay, well, what do you have for ammunition? Well, we, we, we designed the battlefield. We set it up the way we want it. 
And so if you've got some good three-point shooters, and as you know, as a coach, sometimes you can have, you know, young ladies or young men that are, are great um, three-point shooters, but they're not very good on defense. Or, you know, they, 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 they'll get winded quickly or whatever. They're not good ball handlers. But they can shoot threes. So my thing is, how do we go into, you know, for a fight? We're going to air suppress. We're going to come out. We're going to hit the bombers in the long range. So when your team is as fresh as they possibly can be with their legs or arms, they just got through shooting the ball for warm-ups, why don't we go ahead and start bombing threes right off the bat? suppress them and then make the coach have to adjust. Okay, if he started out with a normal, you know, two guards, you know, two forwards and a center, well, he can't keep that up if you're bombing threes from outside because the first player can't get out there. He or she is not used to getting out there. So he's going to have to adjust. He's either going to call a timeout or he's going to put somebody at the table. But he's going to adjust. So as soon as he does that, he's going to get a quicker, smaller lineup out there so they can get out there and protect. That's when I go what I call, again, our heavy tanks. You go for our heavy tank equipment. I'm going to go big, a big lineup, because I know he's going small. So when I come out of the timeout for when he makes his adjustment, now I've got great big young ladies or great big young men that are out there. I'm pushing the ball inside on him. So I'm taking advantage of my size automatically. Again, he's going to have to make another adjustment now because he says, okay, well, I'm going to have to get some bigger kids in there to stop it. By the time he makes that adjustment, then I come and adjust again. I said, well, now – if we we're in combat, we're going to give our fast attacks. We're going to have our Jeeps and our Humvees. These are going to be kids that can get to the hole. So I make the next adjustment, and I put them in. So now I've got him on his heels. He doesn't know what. So I can continue to mix and match on him all the rest of the game, and he, he has no <laughs> next thing you know, sure. he's down 20. Yeah. Because – and so – and that, 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 that's how the wave system is, is designed. That's part of the design is to fight just how we do wars. We're going to come with our air attack right off the bat. Then we come with our heavier equipment. And then we get our fast attacks in there and we clean up what's left of And so if you make those kind of adjustments on the team and the coach is not prepared for it, like I said, before he looks up, he's down 20 because he's having to adjust because all coaches we have, okay, this is what we like to do. We're going to run this offense. We're going to do that, so forth and so on. And all of a sudden you just throw that completely out the window because this is not what he's expecting. Did you see. change uh, – when you coach, so, did you change your – lineups or matchups or I guess what you call units, right? Uh, did you change that based on who you're playing right. each game or was a consistent starting lineup every game? Okay. It would change. Uh, it would change. It, it would change. A lot of times it would change off the thing, especially as I um, got a chance to, if I got a chance to see the film on the team ahead of time, it would change because if I see someone that is, um, weak in one area or another with regard to their defense, um, I'm going to put more left-handers in. And I'm, we're going straight, everything going to the left side of the floor right off the bat. Uh, or it may be uh, someone where I said, you know what, I can run a, a Kentucky and just put uh, a triangle inside and let them just rotate because they're offside uh, forward or they're small forward. Uh, he or she uh, seems to be slow um, on adjustments. But the other thing I like is, uh, as far as the is, I, and they they keep trying to tell me they want wave because <laughs> sure. there's more to it, but I haven't I haven't done it. But one of the things is it's also what's called a flashed offense, and basically I show you one thing as we're coming up, and you think it's going to be that, and then we flash into another total different offense, and so that keeps the coach off guard because the the guards that are on the, the top as they see it, 
they think they're ready. Yeah, okay, this is what we're going to do. The ball's coming here. We've seen that. And then we flash into something totally different. Because imagine if you're a coach and you have a team, uh, your team's on defense, and you have a team that comes down and the, and the two guards come down, and all of a sudden all four of them line up against the free throw line real quick. You say, okay, no, well, okay, how, well, how, right. how do you guard against that? Are you are you going to be in the zone? Okay, we're going to try to go to man. So you go to man, and as soon as you go to the man, the two break out and they go down to the block, and now you're you, they're behind you. So I mean, they're just I, they're just always like I say being strategic because of something that I have seen. So to really to answer your question, um, no, I, I don't have the starting five every time. Um, I, I try to if I can get some film on you, I try to adjust off of you know, what I think are your weaknesses. I'm going to, what they call the, the weakest part of your line and you know, for the military, you know, the probe the line, we want to find your weakest, sure. your weakest point. And also the same, the same thing when it comes to, um, um, warmups, I do a lot of having my assistant coaches watch. I said, just watch feet. Because all I want you to do is just watch feet. They don't even see whether it goes in or not. They're just watching feet. And then once they see the feet, then they go up. If you have a player, and he's constantly rubbing his feet together, or he's constantly, you know, stumbling a little bit, or maybe he has just a little bit of a limp. Oh, and then I'm gonna find out what his number is. As soon as him or her get in the game, we're attacking that leg. We're going after that leg. So if it's left, we're going. I mean, if it's the left leg, we're going to go to the right side. You know, those kind of things. Just being able to adjust and causing him or her, whoever's coaching to make an adjustment because I can say, I want to control the battlefield. I want to control it the whole time. The whole Yeah. I just love that. I love, I love the military philosophy, first of all. And I love how you're really kind of um, bringing that onto the court. And I, uh, what you just said in the warmups is very interesting. I think we focus so much on our warmups. Um, I don't scout enough. I do a lot of scouting uh, and I watch the team, but I, I think I can do a better job scouting during warmups, like you're saying, a little more detail. Tell us a little bit more about that. That you really look for specifics on weaknesses or injuries or injuries. I look for uh, some of the stuff that I look for is injuries. Um, just checking their feet out real quick to see if they've got any knee braces or anything like that. Maybe they're hobbling. It could be anything from you know a player that was walking across the parking lot or just got out the phone. Get, just got out the car and he, you know, sure. his leg or his knee or whatever. You know, those are the kind of things I'm going to pay attention. Then the other thing is I want to see what his mental or her mental aspect is. When they make a shot or miss a shot, how are they? Are they holding their head down? Do they, they don't even say anything? Are they really cool and calm? Um, are they the ones, you know, they just kind of, you know, throwing their hand down like shocks. I missed another one. You know, those kinds of things. Those are the kind of kids I can rattle. If I can get a kid that's going to be like that, that can, you know, kind of shows you know emotional on her sleeve, and then I know that I can probably rattle. And I'm going to tell my player, look, get in his head. You know, he is he can be rattled. Uh, uh, the other thing that I'm also uh, going to look about is touching. Do, are they touching themselves? Meaning they're rubbing their arms all the time, or you know maybe they're cold, or um, they are uh, just jittery. You know, sometimes, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but today's society, a lot of these <laughs> sure. kids are medicine. And so they, they, right. they become very jittery. You know, their medicine starts to wear off at the end of the day. That's an advantage that you can take take advantage of 
you know, just because that they may be a little bit slower or those kinds of things. Or maybe you're wiping their nose. Like I say, I'm watching how much they touch. They may be wiping their nose because they got the sniffles. Or maybe got an onsite of a cold that's coming on. And I know that some crews are like, man, this is way too too deep. But you're sitting there watching. Exactly. Them. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, I'm definitely getting a great scouting report here, Coach. Uh, i tell you what I look for. I look for kids will always shoot in their favorite spots, obviously, in free shooting in warm-up. It's amazing how accurate that is. Kids will not kind of veer away and shoot different mm-hmm. types of shots. They always go to their spots. Is that true uh, on your side? That that is true. That is true. They will. They will. They everybody. You know, we're creatures right. of habit and comfort, and they're comfortable there. But the other thing is too that you for the, you got to remember, and I tell my players that you are a you are performing. It's a performance because you have rehearsed, which is practice. People have paid money for come in. You have a showtime where the curtain goes up, and you are. It's a performance. So because of that, everybody knows it is. And so they want to perform. They know people watching them doing warm-ups. Who wants to miss shots doing warm-ups? You want to look good. You know, when you know everybody's sitting there, grandma's in the stand. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, oh, honey, you're doing a good <laughs> job. I saw you make some shots. You know, so <laughs> everybody's going to go where, where they, they want to be. But it also a smart coach, which most coaches are, they're also, that's where they will have their team shoot too. So you get two things from there. Not only where he or she is comfortable shooting, but that's probably where the coach has had them practice a lot. So that's why they're comfortable there. So when you tell your players, look, I, you know, that, that right elbow, I don't care what you sure. do, don't let him get the ball right there because that's where he wants to get the ball. You know, yeah, that's a great that point, spot. Coach. Hey, Coach, offensive system. I mean, tell us, I, I know it's probably some of your offense, but your defensive system. Talk about your defense. I'm sorry, you, you broke up. Can you say that we again? a lot on the offense. Tell us a little bit about what are some some key points you're trying to get across the Wava uh, defensive system. Well, um, one of the things is we want you to um, we want to take away your your the best thing that you that you have on there. You know, I kind of go uh, go to the the Patriots. And one of the things that they, they like to do is they try to find, you know, the best weapon and they try to take it away. Well, the best weapon that any basketball team is going to have starts with that point guard. They're going to be their best ball handler, the best controller, and they are used to running their okay. offense through there. So in the Wildwood system, we're going to take that away from them. Again, going back to the military, your the leadership, you know, that's why they always make sure that, you know, officers and senior enlisted do not wear a signal. <laughs> So there's no way that a sniper can look across the, the field and know who the leader is. And so the leader on the basketball team is going to be that point guard. And so we want to D up on that point guard and make somebody else bring the ball up the floor. By doing that, it throws them off just, just a little bit because they're just not used to the, the two running it or three setting up their offense. And a lot of times you'll find even if they do – 
get it across. They'll hold on to it until they can get it into the point guard's hand. And because of that, that throws off their whole game. They don't like change. People don't like change. They, they want what they're comfortable with. So that's one of the things that we do. The other thing is opportunity for trap. They can trap when they see an opportunity. So if you if someone gets close to someone else and they turn their back, that's a trapping moment. Go right for it. Don't wait. And you, so it's not like, well, you know, we're not in a trap or we're not running, you know, trapped the corners or coach has it. It's all on you. When you see it, trap the ball. And so that also makes it very difficult for the coach on the other side because he doesn't know when we're going to trap. It also makes it difficult for the other players on the other team because they don't know when we're going to trap. So <clears throat> that is another thing that uh, I like yeah, to go do ahead, go. Um, for the defensive side of things. The other thing is, I, I for us, uh, def def defensively, is I want to make people turn. Put your head over the ball and make them turn. Make them turn. Make them turn. More times than not, the more you can get them to do something other than dribble the ball up the floor, whether they're the two or the three, they're going to turn the ball over. It, it just happens. Nobody's perfect. And if they're not used to bringing the ball up, especially if you're putting your head over the ball, you don't have to foul them. That's the other thing on defense. We're not giving them free foul. We're not making it easy for them. We want to make it hard. And we make it hard by moving our feet and putting our head over the ball. Make them turn, make them turn, make them turn. Oh, guess what? Just kick the ball about. Make them turn, make them turn. Whoop, they just threw the ball away. Make, let them make their mistakes. It's like anything else. If you give them enough time, they'll make the mistakes for you. Yes, yeah, sometimes they're going to score. But defensively, we want yeah, you and, to and make do you mistakes. Are you, are you prefer a man-to-man -man style, a zone style, or you like to um, – it sounds like to me you like to change things up. I do. Um, I, I do. The, the combination is um, also um, another thing. Going back to that flash, I like to, to change the, um, the whole setup. So at one time we may be in, you know, a, um, uh, a man. Next time we are in a zone. I'll tell you, I got an opportunity to coach in a very, 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 very big arena when um, I was over in um, France. And in doing so, what I found out is that I had no where they made me sit, and I had no way of communicating with my players as it got louder and louder. So what I invented back then was I call color cards. And the color cards is they can see, but they couldn't hear. And so by having color cards, I tell them before the game, all right, blue is going to be man, red is going to be a 2-3 zone, Sure. One, three, one is going to be black. Now, again, at their level, you can only right. give them so much. You know, at the collegiate level, I, I could go seven colors deep. And so and when they came down and the ball was taken out by the other team, obviously your team is coming back waiting for the ball to kind of come up the floor. The assistant coach would put up the color. And so they knew that as soon as they came across half court, we were going into that. Not necessarily a trap, not necessarily a press, but we were going into that. And so they would know. And a lot of times when you got, I mean, what's going on at the free throw line? Well, you know, they're just kind of sitting there, they're catching their breath. No, you better be looking over at the bench because I'm getting ready to change colors on you. And they know, okay, see, right after this, coach wants us to do something. Now, sometimes coaches would catch on, which is fine. So what we would do is beside the color, I would put, you know, we would put fingers up. 
So it would have a blue and it would have a two. So he have a blue card and he would put a yeah, two beside it. That means the second time down, we're going to go into that defense. Or the third time down, we're going to go into that defense. So when the coach thought we were going to go into one defense, oh, that didn't work. So it throws him off because he's too busy. You'd be surprised at how much time they start looking over at my, 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 uh, me on the sidelines and what I'm trying to give them, and we wouldn't do anything. There were also some um, codes that we would put in, which I would come across my throat, and then I would put the card up, which means disregard doesn't mean anything. Uh, sometimes I would just fold my arms like I was mad. That let them know when I put the next card up, it doesn't mean anything. You know, those kinds of things. So I, mean, yeah, always I love that. that I also, uh, I remember you talking up. about with your set plays, um, like Bravo and different types of set plays that you had. Um, you had a, you had a code system as well for that, correct? Um, I, I just I, I just really like that. I think exactly. I, but I I I'm a numbers guy, so I use numbers for our defenses, and I use names for the offenses. Um, but you're right though, because in big games, players can't hear you. I mean, that's the bottom line. So, we, you know, we get up to the state tournament, okay. man. We're, no. They just can't hear you on that. So, I really do like the the uh, color coach. Um, coach, talk to me about free throw shooting. Um, we are a good free throw shooting team. We shoot as a high school girls team 74% from the line, which is pretty good. However, we lost, we wow. lost our state wow. tournament game, Sweet 16 game. Really we missed 10 free throws. We lost by four. I think there's a big difference. Tell me the best way. You're the free throw doctor now. How do you pressure free throws, particularly like late in the game? Okay. Absolutely. So I mean, how, we, how, I've tried everything in the book, and I'm one anything? of those that if it doesn't happen in a, in a major game, then I haven't trained them well enough. It's it's to me. I, I blame myself. So how can you help me out a little bit? Okay. Well, I'm gonna give you one of the secrets. Um, coaches all the time, or in my research, but the coaches all the time and say, you know, he's shooting so well. Look at him on film. He's doing good. He's doing good. And now look at him on film. It's down at the end of the game, and he's missing the shot. What what, what happened, coach? And I said, what happened was <clears throat> they don't know that, but one eighth of an inch change in your breathing or raise of your chest changes the mark of the basketball at the rim by one inch. So as the player continues to run up and down the floor, he or she, when they get to the line, is breathing harder. And because of that, it's going to cause them to 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 either shoot left or right, but most of the time it makes them either hit the bo- the back of the rim because they, you know, the, the air is trying to get in the, the, into the lungs. They're trying to, you know, get the ball, and they have the nervousness and all of that that goes into it, and they hit the back of the rim. And so then you see what the next one is. They go, okay, well, I got to take something off of it. So now they're trying to do a self-adjustment of their shot, and then they hit the, the rim short. And then the fans are throwing their hands at them going, what is going on? Why, why are they missing all these shots? Well, it goes into more than just that. Uh, that, but that's part of it. That's one of the big things that coaches don't <laughs> don't don't teach them. So when I teach free throw shooting, I tell them teach your teach your players when they come to the line. One of the things is when they get ready to shoot, stop breathing. Boom, and then shoot. Stop breathing. Boom, then you shoot. 
this concept also came in from marksmanship from the, the military. When you shoot from 500 meters out, they tell you you got to watch your breathing because the, 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 the muzzle of the rifle will go up and down, and that will change where the actual round hits, you know, 500 meters down the road. So it's the exact same you thing. You go through your routine. You basically have – right after that, you have to shut down your breathing. So You go through your routine, gotcha. and just gotcha. when you get ready to release, and that has to be practice. Hold your breath for a second, I mean, boom, and then release. I don't know too many coaches that teach that, um, which I think is a great detail. That has to be, that, that has to be practiced. It's a great insight. I really appreciate that. Um, what is? Um, give me some. Give me some form techniques. I know we all teach shooting, but there's a lot of alligator arms at late in games and so forth. What are some things that you do, maybe on the physical side? that helps your, your foul shooters out. Well, um, the, the strength is the same really, um, toward the end. I mean, the, 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 but one of the things is for okay. practice is that we put them in pairs of two and we take tennis balls and we tell them to get in their free throw motion. So they get right where they're supposed to be. They have the elbow up. At that time, the person that is beside them holds a tennis ball on their elbow. And then we say, go. We let the tennis ball go, and it causes them to reach out and grab that tennis ball. And so it helps them with their form because when you shoot a free throw, you need to reach out and not push. And so that's one of the things that we, we, we show when we do team drills. Yeah, I like that. For free throw I'm actually trying to visualize that. Drill. Uh, right now, go over that again, Coach, so our listeners can really get a uh, – that, that's something you can put in right away. T- tell us about that again. Yeah, basically what you do is you get your um, – you get them in your team in pairs of two, and then you have them get um, into their free throw motion. I mean, their free throw stance or where they would normally put their foot. So you use something like – a a volleyball line, you know, so you have them spread out through the gym. And then you have them have a tennis ball. Their, their partner has a tennis ball. Once they get into their free throw motion, they get to just where you would be just before you get ready to shoot. And what you do is you have the partner put the tennis ball and hold it. They're still holding it on the elbow of the shooter. And when you tell them, okay, and then when the, when the coach blows the whistle or says now, they let that go. When they let that ball go, it starts to roll down there. It's going to start to roll off of their end of the elbow, and they got to reach out and snatch it. Um, and so I it causes it. them to reach out, vice to push when it comes to free throw shooting. And so, and so when, I have, when I have players that are at the free throw line, you know the old saying, bend your legs, bend your legs. I don't tell them. I say, I say remember the tennis ball. And they say, I got you. That means that we reach out. Yeah, I love that. Do you have any more? Hey, you're you're the free throw doctor, man. You got to help me out here a little bit. Uh, You're probably going to send me a a invoice, I'm sure. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) No, I was about to say an invoice. Like you say, we're all in this together. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that I like about, you know, coaching is that those that are real professional coaches understand it's just like being a doctor, just like being a lawyer. It is a profession. And we also are trying to share, you know, information, which is why, you know, I, I, I go around and do free throw uh, clinics, you know, around the country for coaches to help right. them to 
become better teachers because they really don't know how to teach free throw shooting. And that's one of the problems. They just tell them, you know, okay, we just, we just got through running practice, go over, you know, and, and uh, pairs of two or pairs of four or pairs of three and go shoot 10 and then tell me what you shot and then go get your water. Right. Well, what, what happens with that? Well, I want to get water. So I'm going to put these free throws up as quick as I can. And, and then I'm going to go, you know, and do that. Or we teach them, how do we teach them? We tell them line up at the line, all right, the first one at the end, come up, take a shot. He takes a shot, he misses, we run up, we run back, next one comes, we take a shot. So <laughs> there's, no, there's no training going on. You know, either you're kind of shoot free throws well or, or you don't. And so you have to be more um, specific in your training because we wouldn't teach defense like that and we wouldn't teach an out-of-bounds play like that. We run all these other things, but we come to free throw shooting, we kind of just throw it up because we are reflections of our previous coaching. And that's how we did it when I was in high school. And that's how we did it when I was in college. And that's what coaches say. Well, that's how, that's how I don't know anything else. And so that's one of the things that I tell coaches. That's why you need to get in my, one of my classes. But <clears throat> another technique um, is I have another book that's coming out um, before summer, and it's called Free Throw Phobia. And one of the things that, um, I have found in my research is that kids are actually fearful of going to the line. And <clears throat> because of that, you have to help your players get over that because you have to remember at any other time, no other time while they're on the basketball court, are they actually focused in by themselves and blamed by themselves? So for instance, if you got an offense that's come along, you kick the ball out to Joe, Joe jumps up, he takes a shot. Joe misses it. Well, let's see. Joe could have got fouled. Yep. Or they, that's what parents are. Oh, he fouled him. You know he fouled him. Ref, why you know he fouled him? Or your head. That was a bad pass. It was too low. Joe couldn't. Somebody's always bailing Joe out. You know, instead of just saying, you know, Joe just didn't shoot a good shot. But when he gets to the free throw line, there's nobody to bail Joe out. There's no defender in front of Joe. Nobody threw Joe a bad pass. Joe didn't travel. You know, Joe was right there. So there's nothing there to help Joe but Joe. And so because of that, they know they are by themselves. There's a spotlight. They, what I call this, you're, you're, this is your solo. You're right. out there by yourself. Young man, I hope you can sing because you're out there by yourself. And so, so because of that, because of that, you have to, I teach them, you know, about that, how to get over that phobia. And so that's, that's a good book that's coming out. I encourage your coaches to pay attention, you know, when that gets released later on uh, this year. But Another thing when it comes to training, um, coaches always are there. I hear them do both, but they, they do a lot of loud noise and I've seen speakers and stuff and that, that's a, a technique. And then I see them, they do it real quiet and they don't say anything and it's all in between. But I tell them the thing that really helps with free throw is, is you're dealing with the mind. And so what you have to do is you have to get them to concentrate. They're coming off of a, um, a position in which they were running up and down, they were playing defense, or they had the ball, all this stuff is going on. Now you tell me I'm going 80 miles an hour, doing everything I can, and all of a sudden, scared, I got to stop. I got to compose myself. I've got to shoot, get a basketball. I've got to look at the rim. I've got to ignore the fans, don't listen to the coach, and don't worry about my teammates. Now I have to shoot, and I have to make it. Oh, my goodness, that's a lot to throw on a, you know, a young lady or a young man. But – what, you, what you're basically telling them is you have to block out what you know and you have to be able to shoot. So the technique, one of the techniques that I teach coaches in my uh, program is humor. I will go up to them and I will find something and I will make them laugh. 
And then I said, okay, you got to shoot. No, no, I can't shoot right now because I'm laughing. No, I'm sorry. You got to shoot. What it does is it causes them to have to stop what they were thinking about, what they were focused on, and focus on that shot. So if it's a young lady, you know, I'll tell them about their big-eared boyfriend, you know, or if it's a young man, you know, I tell them, you know, did you, 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 uh, your, sho- your socks aren't matching. Did you know you got the wrong socks on or something? Coach, I got the right socks on. Don't look down, but I think you got the wrong socks. Just stuff like that, just to throw them off. Because <clears throat> there's no need for, um, you know, you to uh, just inundate them with music and sound and all like that. That's not what's going to help the brain. And it's hard to really go into without taking up, you know, several hours of your time on the show. But the book will, 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 will explain how this, this phobia works at the free throw line. But one of the things, you know, about doing that is that, you know, we're not going to um, berate the, the player at the line. We're not going to make them feel bad. But what we're going to do is we're going to change the way that they're thinking. We're going to change the instantly. Boom, you got to go from humor and you got to concentrate. You got to go from humor, you got to concentrate. That change from right to left of the brain is what yeah, I love that technique. Them, and I think because um, you have to agree that pressure. free throw shooting is not getting better. Um, is that because of the three point emphasis or the kids are, I, I no, would no, say the kids are working at it. One of the things that it, 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 there's a couple of things. Um, the kids aren't working at it. Yes, there is a more emphasis on the three point shoot, shooting, but you know that's just kids. I mean, it's it's encompassed on the coach to tell them that hey, why are you out there throwing up three point shooters, or why are you working on a last second? And one of my players and stuff, I would go into the gym and I would see them. They're launching them up from half court, and I'm like, son, well, what are you doing? <laughs> he was like, I'm practicing yeah. my last second shot. Coach, if you're, I said, you probably fouled out the game by the time we even get to that. So why are you even working on that? <laughs> and they start laughing. I said, yeah, get underneath them and let's work on some free throws. So that's, you know, that's one of the things. The other thing is, and you already know the game that I'm getting ready to talk about. It's called Knockout. And that is a game right. in which kids learn at an early age, and it's fun and all like that, but it teaches them to rush their free throws. And because of that, that's another problem that as coaches that we face. And when I see coaches running that for their, their, their players, I'm just like, is that just for fun, coach? Or are you really trying to work on free throws? Well, it's a combination of both of us. And no, no, it's either fun or it's not fun. But it, it, there's, there's no instruction going on with this. Because all they're doing is getting the ball and they're just throwing it up there and trying to get a rebound. So you're teaching bad habits. And you know the old saying, you're going to play how you practice. And so if they're practicing bad habits, yeah, they get very I, good um, at throwing the ball up there. I, I, just, I see a lot of uh, practices. Away. Um, maybe five minutes. I think you're right, coach. It's just a lack of emphasis. Um, and that's what maybe why we shoot at the foul line pretty good. We, we probably spend probably about 15 minutes of our practice time on pressure free throws, uh, even though it, it didn't work in the last game we did. But I just think that it's really neglected. Uh, yeah. From all the experiences, is that neglected in a lot of practices that you're watching? It's neglected by a lot of practices that I have been a part of, uh, the free throw shooting. Yeah. But, you know, um, a lot of the coaches will just tell me privately, Coach, I don't know how to teach it. I mean, they, they sure. just don't. And so my clinics fill up pretty quick. You know, when I start, they know I'm coming around the country. 
because you know they sneak in and they go, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to learn some of my free throw shooting for my team because right. when the players, you know, they look at you because they want you to have the answer. Remember, it's an education. So when you're in the you're the science teacher and they say, hey, on question five it says X, Y, and Z. What is the answer? Well, you're supposed to be able to tell them the answer. So when you got a student that's struggling at the free throw line, they look at the coach. Coach, tell me how to fix this. And you just give them the, the salute with those hands. I'm like, I don't know. You know? And so that is frustrating for the coaches. It's frustrating for the the, uh, the parents and the players. Everybody's frustrated because they're trying to figure out, you know, how do we solve this? And so my techniques that, you know, like the, the, the tennis ball and, you know, joking or, you know, getting their mind off of that free throw line, you know, those kinds of things, those are the things that, you know, I utilize that are effective, but I've got, you know, 20 more <clears throat> that I utilize when I come in and start teaching coaches. I've said coaches, I'll shake my whole arm off afterwards. <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much for doing this. I had no idea. I'm going to take all this, I wrote all the notes down and da, 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 da. you know, then coach, that's what I'm here for. You know, that's what, that's yeah, what I'm here for, to I, help you out. Because I told you, it's a professional. I, um, I do have this information. Question. Uh, I have our school for our young kids like many schools do um, we were at a, we were at a tournament yesterday and you you one of your books is about youth training and what's the how, what are we doing in youth training and basketball and so what's the best way to train basketball players um, I saw a coach the other day and I see a lot of coaches at the travel ball AAU absolutely just berating their players for every single mistake and I, I just look at it and saying, wow, is that the right way to coach nine, 10, 11 year old kids? What do you see out there? Oh. Well, again, it, I think see, it goes into, are you saying, what do I, mean, I, what do because I, I, I think it's a major problem. I think I a lot of kids, I think we're almost coaching youth level like we're coaching NBA. I think we're skipping steps. It's like, and at the youth level, man, I want my kids to enjoy the game and create a passion and learn some skills. Uh, maybe I'm just, maybe that's just me, but I don't want to lose my kids because I'm berating them for every mistake. Number one, I made a mistake a lot as a player. I did not. What's your problem? Well, the, the thing that uh, I tell uh, coaches and most of the coaches that I, you know, work with, they have children and a lot of them are school age. And I said, let me just give you a, uh, let me just run a scenario by you. Let's say you walk into the classroom for your child and you're sitting in the back and then the, the child uh, raises their hand and they ask for, you know, to answer number three on the math problem. And two plus two is, is four. And we all know that. And they put it to be five. And as soon as they say it's five, they say, oh, no, 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 I mean, I mean it is two, that it's four. But as soon as they say that, the, 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 the teacher jumps across the desk, gets in your child's face, and starts hollering at them. You know, what do you mean? You must be a big dummy. What's wrong with you? Now, are you going to sit there or are you going to go and you're going to grab your child up? You're going to take him out of the class. You're going to go down and see the principal and you're going to say, hey, I, this, this is improper you know, behavior. My child's trying to learn but yet they're being, you know, belittled in class because of that. And they'll raise their hand. The coaches will raise their hand. And I mean, it's, it's just not all of them, you know, unless they don't have children. And I said, well, then how do we allow this to take place 
at, at five o'clock, it's okay for that to take place because players aren't intentionally making mistakes. They're trying. They're doing the best they can. There's a lot of things going on. Development, right? Um, they're growing into their feet. You know, they're trying to see the court. They're trying to learn the game. All that's going on. And so why do we allow this to happen in the evening when we're trying to teach kids basketball, but we won't tolerate it in the classroom when they're trying to learn mathematics? And so to answer your question about the whole thing, a lot of it has to do with um, expectations and not knowing. Now, coaches, you know, that are involved in youth, some of them are very good. They're trying to learn, and that's great. Then you have other ones that go around and they pick kids and I'll get two kids from this school and I get three kids from this school and I get two kids from this school and they just holler mm-hmm. at them. They just scream at them and they beat on their chest. You know, look at all these, these awards that we won, you know, in summer basketball or YMCA <laughs> basketball or whatever the case may be. And actually, I look at them and what did you teach them? What have you taught them? Nothing. They already came with this skill. The kid is already in eighth grade, but he's six four. I mean, you haven't taught him anything. You haven't worked with him as a post player, but yet you're going to say, yeah, but we won all these championships. You may have, but what are you really teaching them? That's why that book is called winning is temporary. That winning is temporary, but what you're teaching them is permanent. And so the, the coaches uh, need to understand. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm not saying I'm a, hey, as a Marine, I can, I can chew out with the best of them and have done so and, and have, and have done so. But as a coach, you have to be able to understand when you wrap your arm around them and you say things and when you turn around and you do something else and, you know, say, Johnny, but you know what is more? Kids really do not appreciate um, being disciplined verbally too hard. And they, and, and they don't respond to that. But what they do respond to is when you start to talk to them about, you know, you really look bad. You know, I think, you know, you look bad for your parents, look bad for the team. They don't want to disappoint. That is how you really can get kids to, man, I'm, 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 forget that. I'm going to shoot some more free throws. I'm going to get better. I'm going to work on my post. But if you scream at him, he just turns you off. That, 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 that's not the way to, to get to him. But you got to teach coaches, you know, how to teach. Mm-hmm. One of the other things, historically, it used to be way back in the 70s and 80s, and again, I'm dating myself, um, but all the coaches that kids had were teachers. Some good, some bad, but they were all teachers. So they had some training for education and how to go about educating. Whereas right. the coaches we have now that are close to the kids, God bless their soul, these fathers and mothers, but they may really don't know how to teach the game. And Michael Jordan said it the best where he said that just because I'm a great player doesn't mean I'm going to be a great coach. And I think that a lot of them don't understand that. And then when I, I talked to one coach one time uh, in a gym, and him and I were just sitting there at the snack bar talking, and it was interesting. And he said, you know, I don't know, you know how, I said, how do you know how to coach? And he said, because the, uh, that's how my high school coach coached me. And I said, what grade were you in? He goes, I was in 11th and 12th grade, and I played varsity. I said, okay, great. I said, what grade, what, what age group are you coaching right now? And he's a seven and eight-year-old. I said, okay, you, are you going to tell me a seven to eight year old has the same mental capacity and understanding exactly. as an 11th or 12th grader? And he said, well, well, no. I said, well, you're coaching them like that. And so if you're coaching them like that, that's what they're doing. He goes, you know, I never thought about that. 
And I said, exactly. You know, to take a seventh and eighth grade and say, look, you're going to go and put you in a calculus class, expect them to do well. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's just unheard of. And so, again, even to the defense of the, the coaches, I mean, the, the parents that are trying to coach, they don't know how. They, 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 don't really, they really don't know how. And so they need some of that training. And that's why your program is Yeah, and I appreciate, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate you sharing. I think the, that's some great because, advice you know, right there because I see that a lot. And I think, I don't think it's anybody's fault. I just think it's the culture we're in. I call it the trophy culture. Because when you walk in these gyms, they have all the championship trophies these kids are going to get. And that, is that really that important? I don't think so. I mean, um, you know, it, give them like you, like you says, I think you eliminate trophies. I think you, um, do, do, what, what do you do? Give me an answer contrary to what they're doing on the AAU scene that would be more beneficial for the kids. No. Um, when you when you say beneficial, are you talking about the training and instruction? Or are you talking well, about? It's all. I guess it's all. I, mean, I guess I need to be more specific. Um, what can we do? Awards um, and that type I, I know thing? it's kind of it's kind of a crazy monster right now with all these coaches and parents and things like that. I think we're playing for trophies. How can we do? Do we? Is that just the culture we're in, or can we change that for the better? Well, uh, you know, you, you you have to look at TV and the All-Star game and, you know, who what do they, they, they hoist up? You know, they host up rings and they host up trophies and those kind of things. And so there, there, there's, there needs to be um, some way where uh, they, they are complimented for what they have accomplished, you know, that, that someone knows about that. So I, I understand that. But what I, I think they're talking about the culture behind it I think a lot of it has to do um, with the the coaches that are out there trying to wrap their arms around right. the AAU. Before it was, you're over there, and I'm a school coach, and I'm over here. The two need to come together uh, and and ask them, you know, if they're going because they're going to coach because it's their child. You you can't you can't stop that. And because the these other children sure. live down the street, and they give them a ride to the gym, and parents see that as an opportunity for them to get a scholarship, they're going to do that. So sometimes you've got to say, okay, well, this is going to happen. How can I help? And so one of the things that it'd be nice if the school coaches would put on some type of um, training for the, for the coaches and just talk to them about the professionalism of being a coach and just talk about the impact of being a coach. And maybe, just maybe, the culture will start to change a little bit regarding that. And some of the stuff, too, that I think, um, and it, I know that there's some you know ways to do it, but um, I, I think that there needs to be some kind of um, um, involvement with regards to um, uh, store cards. You know, when they have sure. a ten, you know, everybody who wins, they're going to get twenty dollars store card, and everybody who gets second place, they're going to get a ten dollars store card, and all those kinds. And the reason I say that, they can use that to go buy themselves maybe a basketball or they can go buy that to go get themselves a book bag so they can go to school. Or maybe they can use it because they know that they want to go to McDonald's afterwards or whatever. But what I'm saying is it's okay the kid got it, 
and they get a chance to spend it and they move on. But to have this thing in the other kid's face all the time, it, it is, is, is really detrimental. Not to say that they can't have something, but does it have to be a shiny trophy? Like I say, why is it right when you first walk in the gym? This is what you're playing for. And yes, I understand. You, you want to, you know, somebody, there, there are people that are going to win the tournament and their teams are going to be win the tournament. But does it have to be a trophy? Can it be, you know, a sweatsuit? Can it be, you know, socks? Uh, I'm, I'm just using that as an example. Uh, one um, um, organization, they give, you know, medals for the kids that, you know, that they get a chance to <laughs> sure. wear. But, again, it becomes a bragging because I see the kids that they got four medals on because during the summer they won four games and they're, you know, talking about this other kid, you know, hey, we won four games. So then the, the coach that is trying to run a program in which he's trying to educate them and work on fundamentals and those kinds of things, those kids don't come to him because they're not winning. Why? Because the other coach went and got all these different um, kids from these different middle schools or these different high schools that are super athletes and play basketball, and he didn't do anything. So the culture has to change. But to put my finger on and just this, I think it's going to be a number of things that have to go on. But I think the first thing needs to be there needs to be some type of yeah, that's some great advice, the, great insight. Um, I mean, there has to be some connection. And, uh, um, uh, I guess what we do here is uh, I have my own I have my own parents that that play for me. They 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 coach my own my uh, travel team out here. So uh, a lot of my kids play. Of course, I'm at a small school, so we can do that. Uh, but I love that idea, Coach, changing the culture, man. That's what you're trying to do. Uh, and I'm hoping you can change the free throw shooting in America. I'm definitely going to promote all your books. I think you gave us some great wisdom. And um, I'm hoping you come out with your second video of the wave system. So I'm looking forward to that. Coach, how can we get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me by going to my website that is um, thefreethrowdoctor.com and doctors spelled out. Um, that's one way to get a hold of me. Or I have, I'm on social media as well. Um, they can uh, send me an email at thefreethrowdoctor at gmail.com. And also, if they could, I have a challenge out right now to okay. Shaq. <laughs> And telling him that uh, I can improve his free throw shooting even at his age. And I am challenging Shaq and tell the coaches to go down there and promote that Absolutely. I'm challenging yeah. Shaq to <laughs> allow me to help him become a better free throw shooter. Ben Simmons, he's another one I've got out there. So I want these NBA players. I want these NBA players. Yeah, you're to exactly get right. It's, it's, I know again, a lot of NBA players that can't. Like all the rest uh, of, the players of course, coach, nobody can shoot like Curry does from the foul line. So. Um, but, but don't you, 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 you mentioned him. I think, I think in something, I, I forget you mentioned him. He's got to be right, one of your role right. models, right? Absolutely. I, I think Steph does it the right way, um, uh, and how he, you know, conducts himself, um, and you know, his, his, his work ethic, you know, how he gets out there and he, you know, before the game, he's just dribbling the ball, working on, you know, the, the fundamentals of things that we try to get kids to do by going up and he starts shooting a basketball. 
And so, yes, he is. I mean, there are some, you know, great, great ball players, you know, out there that are doing things, you know, outside. And I think there's a lot of NBA players, even though they can't shoot free throws, there's still sure. a lot of good NBA players that are out there. But I just, I just kind of pick, you know, jokingly on Shaq because I know Jack, Shaq has a, a good sense of humor. And I just think that if if, you, if I could show them how yeah, Shaq I love that. Can, you know, improve, Coach, thank you so you much. I appreciate it. I know shoot. I took up a lot and of your time, but you really shared some great wisdom with us. I appreciate it, and I, I wish you all the best. And thanks again for coming on the podcast. All right. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hi there, this is Max Rook. Just want to let you know about the recent podcast that I just recorded with Kevin Furtado on his Championship Vision podcast, where we talked about team culture, leadership, and navigating this journey from good to great and understanding the small shifts that can create extraordinary results. So I'd love for you to check it out. And while you're at it, check out the rest of Kevin Furtado's Championship Vision podcast, where he interviews a lot of great coaches who have a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that can help us all grow. So check it out and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.